our laws as it pertains to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble, you can't stop and you want help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Hey, everybody, welcome. Ask Dr. Drew. I'm very excited today to welcome my dear friend, Duncan Trussell. I'll get to him in just a second. I want to remind you, this episode is courtesy of Needle Destruction Device. Go to Needle Destruction Device. Needle Device Destruction, you put on the on the text here. I think it's needledestructiondevice.com. Use the promo code DREW2020 and you get $70 at checkout. This is truly revolutionary technology. I'm so happy to be a part of that organization. So, again, check it out at needledestructiondevice.com. Um, I am going to sort of skip over, I think, the update on uh, coronavirus today. I don't have much in the way of update uh, from the University of Washington. Everything is essentially the same, though I am noticing on the uh, data from uh, COVID tracking project that there is a slow in cases in Texas, Georgia, and Tennessee. And these are states we need to all watch very carefully because they have elected to open up. And uh, if and Georgia particularly opened up at exactly the wrong moment when their graphs were increasing. So if things continue to slow down there, either, well, in either, either they're doing something right, then there's no difference between quarantining in place and careful uh, hand washing and masks and all that stuff. Or the virus is backing off as the season develops here. Uh, again, weird stuff going on in California. It's sort of a political nature. Maybe Duncan and I will get into that a little bit. But let me get right to the brains behind the Midnight Gospel on Netflix. I urge you to check it out now. It is one and only Duncan Trussell. Hey, buddy. Hi. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? I am Great good. to see you. It is good to see you, too. I, I mean that. Um, you know, there's somebody on the stream here called the Trickster Coyote, and it caught my eye because a coyote just crapped in my front yard <laughs> after somebody drove in and scared the, literally scared the crap out of the coyote. But, it's on Twitter. But it's on Twitter right now. Thank you, Susan. But the trickster coyote also said he or she, he or she I don't know what to hear or she, watched the eighth episode with your mom and sobbed uncontrollably, which has been a common uh, reaction to that episode. Hmm. That's something? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing yeah. to me that uh, somehow my mother ended up getting just spread around the entire planet. It's, it's really, weird. really it's one weird. of the... It's weird. When did yeah. you when did you do that podcast with her? So it's a mix of two podcasts. One of them was uh, probably three weeks before she passed away. Oof. That's the one where she was really getting deeply emotional on 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 life, right? Yeah, that's right. And in the way only someone who's uh, come to terms with the fact that they're going to die can. And by the way, in a way, few do. I have to tell you. Because uh, Susan, our, our producer and my wife, who I'm sure will like to ring in here right now, literally was, <laughs> it's funny, but it's not. It was, she was right. She was sobbing. She's right. She's right. She's right. Uncontrollably. And uncontrollably sobbing. And went on for a uh. while after that. And I, I was deeply moved by your mom and the way you guys portrayed her. Did you feel good about Thank it? Thank you. Yeah, I, I was I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is the power of animation is that somehow 
they didn't it's not like they filmed her it's somehow by drawing her and yeah. translating what she was saying into art it created it brought her back to life in the in the most incredible way it was one of the one of the biggest moments of my life when i saw it for the first time and it was really? just so wonderful yeah and what was the guy's name the sort of the brains behind it that's pendleton ward pendleton ward and, and was pendleton the guy with the beard that would sort of ring you and i were doing voiceover stuff and he'd ring in and go how about you try it like this and we'd be exactly <laughs> right he'd be like he'd be like you're like okay okay <laughs> and i i ran yes. I ran into him in the parking lot, like you and I did a podcast later. I ran into him in the parking lot that day, and I, and I and I told him how much I enjoyed just seeing him work and what a, what a genius I thought he was, and how he just hit knew the right notes all the time to strike. And uh, he just sort of shook his shoulders like, "Thanks," you know. <laughs> but it really is extraordinary what that guy can do. Yeah, that he. It, I, I am so lucky. I got to work with him and watch the the way that he not just draws and the way he looks at art, but the way he, he's such a great director. His ability to work with people and you know, artists are eccentric. I mean that that is a true stereotype. And so learning how to connect with all of them and how to, you know, he empower them. Because Pendleton is essentially worshipped because of Adventure Time, and people recognize what a genius he is, and so it'd be easy for him to create some hierarchy, you know, like to do like a, what Kubrick did or whatever when he was making films, that that kind of thing where like he's like the emperor of the production, but yeah. instead he created an honest, equal equal collaboration with everybody and it was really um, it was really cool to watch he, he reminds me of seth mcfarland not not in terms of style but in terms of his ability to have you ever, you ever been over to family guy I and mean, seth in, is involved with everything and he sits in on, just like pendleton did it he sits in on all the voice work he's there you know you know adjusting you know stewie's shoulder if it's not in the right place and coming up with the new story right. it's, it's it's incredible yeah, it's incredible. And especially yeah. when it comes to animation, it's such a, the field itself is just, it's crazy that they're, you know, when it, before I did this, I would watch an animated show and think, God, it sucks or roll my eyes at it, having no idea how much work goes into every two seconds, how much, how many weeks are in every frame. It's just an incredible art form. And so, somebody is actually yelling on the restream uh, for the love of all that is holy. And I don't know what this is about, Duncan. So forgive me if I'm opening up something problematic. Ask Duncan, <laughs> <laughs> ask Duncan about NASA Jim. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. You know, a lot of times people say that I had some involvement in some kind of viral YouTube uh, video that popped up related to like the last words of a dying NASA scientist. Some yeah. people got really into it. And I, I guess they somehow have, you know, decided I, uh, me, Duncan Trussell, <laughs> like I, I would go on YouTube and create some kind of fictional YouTube account about well, a dying NASA scientist revealing aliens. I'm sorry, Dr. Drew, you know me, I'm a professional. I would never do a thing like that, what block I think, that person. What, what's super ironic to me, what's super ironic to me is that you're such a lover, you, you, have a, you have an uncanny affection for conspiracy theories. So here you go, mm. have at well, it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I don't even I don't know what it is. Block that person and mute them and, right. and have their have their account deleted. All right, I'm going to block them. That's what you want me to do. 
No, don't oh, really block right, them. Right, hold on, all right. But, hold on, I'm just following directions, sir. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, talk about how this happened to you. How Midnight Gospel happened? I don't even know what the story was behind it. How how this came to be? Uh, well, in the early, I was podcasting when you still had to tell someone what a podcast was in the early days of podcasting and this was still the early days and i i think we knew that it was doing that podcasting was beginning to grow into something maybe we didn't expect it to but i was still not i guess the way to put it i, I was just looking at it as something exciting that i did and I, I I couldn't imagine that someone like Pendleton Ward was listening to it, but he just reached out to me via email one day and said he enjoys the podcast and we started to become friends. And at some point after he left Adventure Time, he said that uh, he had an idea for the, a way to turn my podcast into a cartoon. And my heart leapt in my chest. It was, it seemed like it was going to be this. I mean, it's what, how cool to, you know, work with him. Oh my God. Yeah. And so we went, we went to coffee and we talked for a little bit. And at the end of that, he said to me, I don't think I have time to do this. And I, I, I was so, I tried to act cool about it. I'm oh, like, no, no problem, man. No. <laughs> so, I, you know, but then I heard from him a couple of years later and he said, let's do it. And so we started developing this idea, which started off with a concept of what happens if you replace the dialogue of Indiana Jones with podcast dialogue. What? How would that work? Yeah. Well, that was the idea. It's like, you know, if you take like the kind of conversations people have on a podcast. Yeah. Oh, and instead I of see. I see. You know I what I mean? So what, like, they're, like they're going on an adventure during the podcast, which is what, exactly. which, which was our zombie adventure. That's exactly right. Yeah, that, that was it. Is, you know, some, there's something funny and also something sometimes really poignant about people having podcast conversations in the midst of an apocalypse that's what that's what the, we grew the concept into crazy I, I could not when you first asked me to come in and do some work i, I could not i could not figure out what you were talking about you're like yeah man my podcast they're, they're making a cartoon of my podcast I, I, don't worry about it just gotta show up <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because i was dr drew i was googling to see if i could find anywhere where you said fuck because we had curse words in the script and i'm like i don't know does he curse does dr drew curse and so i couldn't find i couldn't find i found one thing on corolla that was barely a curse but then i we were so thrilled when you just dove right into it and didn't censor yourself i don't know i just just uh, did what you guys told me so <laughs> yeah but you did great you was, did great man you're it was really there fun. There you are. It was really <laughs> glasses, man. Glasses, man. Glasses, man. <laughs> it's the best. Oh my god, it's so crazy. It's so wild. But but um, oh god. And by the way, it 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 was a um, uncanny reflection of my life at the moment. Frankly, Susan, you want to fill that out a little bit? What shooting zombie trolls? <laughs> yeah, it's a, bat, batting zombies off. Mm. That seemed to be what my mm. life had become uh, recently. You needed the first lady there with the gun too. <sighs> you, uh, are, are you are you on with? Are you doing another one? Are you can do it again. We don't know. I hope so, but we don't know. If you do, please do use at least some of the Rogan podcast that you were on last week. Um, mm. I, I was thinking about, I was thinking while you were, while I was listening to it, I was thinking about what it would look like to visualize some of the stuff you guys were saying. I mean, certainly out of three and a half hours, you can find something. 
to animate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, that's they, for sure. They, I mean, to be fair, an, an hour and 20 was talking about shitting on people and, and how and how assholes should be our new fingerprints. I, I, <laughs> 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 now I get it. Hold on. Susan, Susan, this whole, for the last is keeps texting. Talk about shit with Dr. <laughs> Drew. And I I didn't know why she was saying that. And I was trying to be polite. Like, well, I, I had no idea. So it was really confusing. Now I get it. You're getting that from the Rogan podcast where he was talking about like fetishes. And, and that puppets. turned into the idea. And, of, and, and, and a and half hour puppet. on uh, uh, the puppet, you know, the, the uh, Matt and Trey puppet movie. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a great podcast, by the way. Thank, thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Uh, thanks but, for reminding me i get so stoned on those things that i've sometimes i don't remember what we talked about like oh, this just, i'm like i'm remembering now oh yeah <laughs> do, you, do you guys get high together and do it is that what happens yeah we get stoned before the pot i like it's and i always forget because joe has i mean obviously marijuana is legal in california yeah but whatever marijuana joe has is I don't know what it is. It's so powerful well, and, it's, and it sneaks up on you. You know what's interesting? It's funny we were discussing this because I was thinking about Joe and cannabis and how it doesn't seem, some people like their brain is sort of um, galvanized, like pot just, they just get high. It has no really adverse effect on them. And you can't even mm -hmm. tell Joe's high really when he's high. I, I can't tell. Uh, and other people, if they get high like that, it, it screws them up for a couple of days or it stops them in their place. And it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, don't you think that has something to do with tolerance? You know, if you are smoking marijuana for the first time and you aren't aware of the fact that marijuana has become so powerful that just barely a hit is probably going to be enough to send you close to the edge, Yeah. you know, versus if you, if you have a tolerance, then eventually smoking marijuana, the, the state of being stoned just becomes normal life. It, it, it explains some of the conspiracy stuff you were getting into that you were high because you got way deep into some stuff about the CIA. <laughs> oh shit. That's right. You know, cause that's a game. So that's a game. Sometimes when I'm on his podcast, because I love Reddit conspiracy, I know, and I it's so it's such a great website. But also, sometimes in Joe, just so everyone lives, Joe's not in the CIA. No, he, he's a comic. I've come yes. up with he's not. He's just not. Yeah. But I know sometimes I try to entrap him so that you internet conspiracy theorists are like, holy shit, Joe's in the CIA. So that, that was all I was trying to do. And then he caught me and basically turned the tables on me. He's like, you're in the CIA. That's right. But so I did, it didn't, it didn't work this time, but still on Twitter, of course, I've been getting the occasional tweet from people being like, well, 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 it's the show for the CIA. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not smart enough to be in the fucking CIA. You, you filled out an application. Yeah, but I filled out, you can fill out an application for anything. It doesn't mean you're going to get in. You know, and we got it. I, I'm pretty sure that someone in the CIA posted on my message board because it was this long message on my red, my subreddit. It was this long message of like, and it started off with, I'm not in the CIA. And then it was followed by the most brilliant breakdown of the different intelligence services and, you know, what he's studying, some kind of something like isometric, isolateral warfare. And, you know, he's like, if any, if you or any of your, fans want to really understand what is going on in the field of intelligence ask here it's like that's the cia and they're trying to like 
And he was really upfront. He's like, look, I know you and Joe are comics. Even right now, the president doesn't, like, no one seems to understand what we're doing. But he, I just want to set it that's, straight. That's it was really well written, too. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, I think, but I, I don't know if the person's in. Well, he probably is. I mean, right, the, I, I've met lots of CIA agents over the years, and they're usually super nerdy guys. Like right. they're not, they're not yeah. the 007 by any means. They're guys you would never pick out of a crowd. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the idea, isn't it? I mean, they are. Look, let's face it. The CIA is creepy. They they have a, a really warped history, and God only knows what they're doing these days. But uh, they're also it's fascinating. And I, you know, if I met a CIA agent, I wouldn't run away or anything. It'd be cool to like at least have lunch with them. Here are people saying Joe Rogan Experience is a CIA program. So I I. <laughs> <laughs> If I've never been on Joe's podcast, I would, I'm such a fan of his. I'm so mortified that I've not been. I guess I'd have to get high if I went on there, right? You don't smoke pot. Well, <laughs> I, I, if it meant, you know, the Joe Rogan experience, maybe that would be the environment I do it. Oof. That would be amazing, Dr. Drew. I think that that's, that's the angle is you go on there and you smoke weed for theoretically the first time. I don't know. I don't know if you smoke pot. Not, but, not, here's the uh, problem. Not since college. And it gave me panic attacks back then. So I could just imagine what would happen now with the power of this stuff. What were you panicking about? Nothing. It just would open. It opened that circuit. It does, that's, it's known to do that. It just causes panic attacks. They're very uncomfortable. They're miserable. But what? But anytime I've had a panic, we talked about this on the roof of the White House. Anytime I've had, I have a panic attack on marijuana. <laughs> we were fighting zombies. Don't that's, you remember? Yeah, Blast that's what I was. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, my whenever I get paranoid, usually the paranoia is attached to something that's a legitimate life concern that I have. It's a. It's not like I'm just having a panic attack with no thought patterns that are telling me what's wrong. Usually, there's some thing that i haven't dealt with and that's the reason the panic attack is happening i, I get that I, that's not me it, it literally is just lightning bolt out of the blue it just opens that circuitry for me now you know to be fair i have much less anxiety generally these days and although lately i've had a bit more but generally uh less and so maybe i wouldn't maybe i wouldn't have a panic attack I don't know. i've always been afraid to to use it ever since because it i seem to have had and i didn't like it either that's the other thing you like well yeah i mean so yeah and i i love it and yeah. but i you know when i was years ago i went to this wonderful psychedelic conference where there's actual psychiatrists and doctors who are working in uh, all the different fields that are opening up right now because they've uh, stopped the prohibition of studying yeah. not just marijuana but no, most psychedelics i consider yeah. yeah and he was telling me that they hope that at some point they'll be able to scan your DNA and tell you statistically what psychedelics are, might work for you and what psychedelics I, might not I, I, work for you. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me as something that would be appropriate and, and might, might work. I, I like that. Uh, was that the What's that organization called? I, I, I've interviewed many people, including some of the lead physicians from that. What's it called again? The got three letters maps maps yeah maps it's maps yeah, yeah. no it's a great organization it's very interesting I, I actually was going to do a documentary about it at one point i'm fascinated by it I, I i'm fascinated by the therapeutic use of hallucinogens i can't recommend it yet because we just don't have enough science but i i really feel like that's going to have utility one day i do that's well what, you know that was that was i, I was going to say when we first met i was so ready to get into a 
fight with you on my podcast because I thought that your stance on psychedelics was going to, or in marijuana was going to be completely different than what it actually is. And I remember sitting in your office, you, your desk was stacked with medical journals that were related to addiction and to marijuana. And I realized, oh, he's a scientist. He's just, he just, he just goes off of what the current data out there seems to be indicating yeah. and you're not anti or for that was a really cool moment for me i really love that about you is that you know though i disagree with you and i think it's wonderful and i highly recommend marijuana if it doesn't freak you out but i totally we need people like you who are just you know looking at what the data sets that are out there interpreting them in a rational way yeah. and i think that's really frustrating for some people because you know i you know most scientists, when they give an answer, it usually isn't a, this is right or this is wrong. It's just an, in, an interpretation of data. Yeah. So here's here's, here's and, what we're observing. Here's what we're seeing. It, you know, it, may, it may not be yeah. a complete picture of reality. It may not be accurate, but here's what we see. And yeah, that's it for me. And, and that's why if, even in the cartoon, you, you remember I was something, I was going over something that I feel very strongly about, which is that people try to vilify molecules which i think is the most bizarre thing yeah. in the world like lsd bad molecule no humans should touch this what that's yeah. bizarre that there's no such molecule yeah. not, it doesn't exist but there are things about what happens to humans when they take it or the relationship they develop with it that we should be clinically concerned with but not because the molecules has a good or bad Think about that. Putting a moral stamp on a molecule. Think how bizarre that is. Yeah. We? That's bizarre, right? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's bizarre. And it's no one's fault. I mean, we were, we, this isn't a conspiracy theory. We did just go through a government sponsored propaganda program called the war on drugs, where people didn't have data on these substances because they stopped the studies, yep. but they were still putting out there that all drugs were the same. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. That's what it's like. And a lot of that stuff, was propaganda and completely not based on any data sets other than like watching someone shit their pants and eat it in a Woodstock video, you know, and that's one person. You can't therefore say I LSD that. I missed that is one. evil. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say that person's having an adverse reaction just the way I would say if somebody had a, you know, hypertensive crisis from some antidepressant medicine or something or serotonin syndrome. Yeah. There's, there's shit that happens because we are physiological. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, that's a frustrating response because it's not sensationalist. That's the thing. Like people like me who are sitting late at night watching TV, we want to get freaked out, man. And so <laughs> when a doctor comes out and just says, yeah, you know, it's sort, this is a response and we don't really, or even how about this answer? We don't know yet. Yeah. There's not enough data yet. Yeah. That kind of stuff. People like me, it pisses us off because it's like, I want to see the UFOs. I want the proof. I want to know what's right and wrong. So, you know, I think that's one of the, must be one of the rough parts of your TV, being a TV doctor, is you're always being met by some disappointment or people trying to make what you say and sensationalize it. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Because that's, yep. that sells tickets. Yeah, Duncan, you, you're hitting the nail right on the head. They, they either project something onto me where they're reading my mind right? They, they are reading my motivation, which is never accurate. They never get that right. Uh, somehow it's, it's inconceivable that somebody could just want to use media to try to help, try to be good, number one. And then number two, I, I select the things I say very, very, very carefully. And if you take a piece out of what I said, it's wrong. 
It's just it's it can always yeah. be wrong because I I always qualify and follow with things like you know make sure you check this, make sure you look at that because I know just the way information and science is, you can never be right all the time. You you just try to be as accurate yeah. as possible and always qualify it with other sources of information. What's going on over here? I feel like there's a whole. She's going screen. Oh, calls. okay. My, Susan's going to go screen some calls. If she was crawling up behind the computer here, and it felt like the whole <laughs> world was coming undone. So so. <laughs> So uh, lots of really interesting people are attracted in here today by you, Duncan, and, and I appreciate that. I'm looking at some, some of the comments, and they're, they're thoughtful and they're good. Give them a little bit on your theory on hallucinogenics and the insight that can be garnered from them and how you also have to do the hard work that follows, if that makes sense. Okay. Is that a viable question? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, first of all, not to be a complete psychedelic nerd, but even the term hallucinogenics is a little blurry yes, it is. these yes, days. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so we've, but that, that makes sense because, you know, the, it's an evolving uh, science when it comes to understanding uh, psychedelic therapy and ways that you can use it to treat PTSD, end of life depression. But, I, you know, so I like the term empathogen a lot, which is usually used for MDMA, uh, which is, this is a thing that opens your heart. And, 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 uh, and let me and let me let me let me sort of punctuate what you're saying. So MDMA has been approved for couples therapies. Uh, acid and 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 uh, mushroom psilocybin are both being used for what's called end of life dread, which I'm convinced if I mm -hmm. were young and had some sort of end of life diagnosis, I, I think I would need to use something like that. And it really mm -hmm. works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does. It's a, you know, these substances, I'm going to give you the hippie answer. I'm sure you can give the neurological answer for what's answer. happening. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes I fall, I fall into the trap of trying to give neurological answers when I don't understand that shit okay. at all. Well, you it's, do. You have you some know, understanding. I'm not, you have some. Come a on. little bit. You know, I've had friends explain the synaptic cleft to me, and I think it's a cool term, but I, I don't really understand it. But to, to me, I know anecdotally, that any time that I've found myself in a place where I'm depressed, where I'm stuck, uh, and certainly uh, a, a lot of that is for me has been linked to trauma on mm -hmm. stuff I haven't mm -hmm. dealt with, mm -hmm. that, that psychedelics have either brought that trauma to the forefront and challenge me to deal with it. And if I deal with it, then there's some remission of the anxiety and depression that was related to that. But if you don't deal with it, if I didn't, you have a bad trip. So that's, I think a lot of times when people are taking a psychedelic, suddenly they don't realize that what they're dealing with is trauma. They're oh, dealing yeah. with some, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know? Well, I've talked to some of these, these people that call themselves shamans that give people these trips with the plants, plant-based stuff and they believe the plants I, I forget the language they use but but it's a language i'm not familiar with and it's essentially saying that the plants bring the trauma forth to be looked at in a different way is that does that make sense that you you can well, get at it differently yeah I, I you know that that's another you know another thing i've learned about over the course of my podcast is that there's people who call themselves shamans that's an easy thing to do yeah. as far as i'm aware there's no board of certification no. for shamans no, no. but then there's actually shamans which is you know a, a tradition of medicine in south america all over the planet in many indigenous cultures uh it, it's very similar to the role of a midwife and it's not just related to psychedelics it's related to all plant medicines and yes i 
I think depending on the particular lineage of shamanism, there's various explanations for why the healing happens. And some of it reminds me a little bit of... um, uh, what it uh, what's it called? Uh, when you get the acu- acupuncture, the yep. it's a different energetic model than the current one that you use. Which and I think it's kind of based on this idea that darkness ends up getting stuck in you, like we're a sponge for everything, and if we soak up really dark shit, it sticks with us in some physical way, and the plant medicine and like pushes it out of you it like uh, somehow and that's just their model i mean right. I, I, no, whether that's, that's, that's true or not no you're right but that's the kind of language they use right it's not it's not a language that i i can make sense of but it, that is the way they describe these things those sorts of things and and uh you know the other thing is you know the other in addition to trauma the other thing is and this is the more the end of life stuff is it connects you to it gives you a it it shuts down your sense of self and connects to you something bigger than yourself. That'd be an accurate. That's way to say right. That? Yeah, that, that's an accurate way to say it, and that connection is, I think, innately healing. So whether it's trauma, whether it's a, a addiction, you know, they've used psilocybin for the treatment of cigarette addiction, nicotine addiction, and there seems to be one of the ways you can tell whether or not the therapy is going to be effective is if the person has a mystical experience and it's amazing to see the the mystical experience being broken down into the language of science because they have to do that because you know it's a people people keep returning this report of contacting god and if you look at these studies it's so funny to see the scientific like here are 10 aspects of the mystical experience on mushrooms it seems really dry but it's a translation from you know the language of poetry and religion into the language of quantification that science requires Mm -hmm. so people could understand but in general they just say if you if you end up talking to god on mushrooms the odds are you're going to quit smoking which is pretty cool I'm. I want to look into this. I, I'm thinking about doing some sort of documentary or something where we do scans and see what's actually changing in people's brains and see whether it persists. That kind of thing. I, there's a lot of people doing this out there. I know that, and so I, I feel like we kind of have to figure out what's going on because people are doing it. You know what I mean? Also, somebody brought, brought mm. up the issue of ketamine. Now, who would have thought that ketamine is now a a significant treatment for depression? I- that no one i mean this is again this is we're this is what's so exciting about this particular field is we're discovering all of these uh uh, that these chemicals have so many uses particularly ketamine it's so magical in the sense that it's not just used for treating depression it's a uh it's been used as an anesthetic for how long uh how long has it been used for putting people under it's like a for a long time it, yeah, all over the planet. Yeah, it's used. It's used primarily in adolescents uh, because they they tend to, for whatever it is about the adolescent brain, it, it responds better to this stuff as an anesthetic. It's called a dissociative anesthetic. It puts you sort of out of body and disconnects you from everything. Sometimes adults find that unpleasant. Uh, in the doses they use for the depression, there's different things. There's a nasal spray and there's also an infusion that you can get. People do not report adverse. I've not seen any reports of adverse experiences from that. And damn, sometimes it really works for for depression. Work for me. Oh, you took it. And, and you, once you had formally uh, treated, or you I did, did. Did it on your own. Yeah, I've, I've formally treated. Wow. You know, with a inter with a dose of intermuscular ketamine, and just you know, I I think that I my experience is not 
what the research is showing. Generally, people need like five, five or six. of these sessions yes. mixed in with therapy. But yes. for me, one one seemed to do the trick. And, uh, to you know, I'm not saying this isn't a miracle cure or anything like that, but having suffered from depression my whole damn life, uh, whenever, I, you know, I would get depressed the way I get a cold, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, shit, here we go. The difference being with a cold, you're like, this is going to be a month. With depression, you're like, I don't know how this could be a year. This could be two years unless I go, you know, get antidepressants, which I don't like because I can't come on them, at least the ones that I've tried. And so this, uh, this uh, ketamine, it was the damnedest thing to suddenly in the afternoon after the treatment to begin to experience the a remission of the symptoms of my depression, which are usually just absolute numbness, tiredness, not wanting to do anything, you know, just a low level despair. It was, it, it just, it didn't fix it. I don't want to say that it fixed it. That would be ridiculous, but it did, it, 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 it I don't know, it did something that no anti yeah, that's the word for it. Got yeah. me over the hump. How how long did it last? Uh, well, I, you know, I, because it, it, I haven't gotten depressed since then. I, I mean, I, wow. I'm not to say that I don't get like completely stressed out and blue or weird or whatever, but I haven't. I have not experienced a any depression after that. So I don't. You know, I don't know, man. Plus, if it's placebo, I'll take the placebo. Fuck depression. It's the worst. It is the worst. No, the, it, it, it exceeds placebo efficacy. So believe me, it's not uh, typically placebo. That's for sure. Um, let's talk about other fun things, if you don't mind. Um, don't your, mind. your son is doing well? Yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah. Today, he started, man, he's really talking. Every day, it's new words. But today, I taught him how to say, hiya. <laughs> so he's saying, he's been saying that, and it's the greatest thing to hear. He loves <laughs> it. He recognizes the power of that sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, here's, let me get a call in here, Duncan. Here we go. Uh, I got more. Well, let me ask before I get the calls. Um, you have you done any drunk histories lately? Well, we ha we ha yes, I did. I don't know how much I can talk about it, but I know that uh, it got the production got halted because of COVID. Oh. So uh, they were shooting it. I was going to go watch them on the day of the shoot, and I couldn't because it uh. happened simultaneous to the pandemic. Yeah, how come he didn't let me drink with you? I'm so pissed off about that. I know. You know what? I can't give it away. I, there's actually a reason that it doesn't involve a, a rejection of you because right. I know Derek loves you and I love you. And like just getting drunk with Dr. Drew, it was really a highlight of my life. It was my to get drunk with Duncan was a highlight of mine and talk about dolphins right. and, and then having uh, Sherry Appleby pay, play the uh, play. The scientist was especially ironic. I thought I mean, she's so good. She's I'm a huge fan of uh, Unreal. Um, and if people don't know it, I, I, I believe that it was Drunken, Duncan Trussell's original <laughs> drunk history about Tesla that made drunk history a series. I, I really believe that. It's online. You can find it. Just look up Duncan Trussell, drunk history, Tesla, and you will see the best drunk history ever, ever done. But it but almost destroyed you. Thanks. It almost almost killed you, but but it really was That's a great right. drunk history. That, that one seemed intense. I after that one, they had to do a nurse, like, because I got so drunk, because we didn't know absinthe had the alcohol content it had. So, and I was trying to look cool. So that's a recipe for death. That was not death. good. That was not good. No. Uh, and the, what else have we done together? Uh, we've done the cartoon. We've done the drunk histories. Did we do anything else? 
Do any other television together? Well, my, our podcast, but other than that, no television. Yeah. I'm so happy we became friends, though. You're like one of my favorite Hollywood friends. I When I was younger, I never expected I'd be friends with you. But, you know, I, I, look, I don't want to be cheesy or whatever, but I hope people give you a goddamn break. No offense for those Christians in the listening crowd, but you're a sweet human being. Well, and, thanks. you know, I know there's not in a, a million years you would do it ever want to hurt anybody and Thank you. so i'm sorry that you're in the midst of some maelstrom right now because being a being your friend having been to your house you're such a you know before you know before midnight gospel you're so generous and you like i don't know i just i hope people give you a break because well, you didn't you didn't mean that you weren't trying to hurt anybody you just wanted to help no i was wor i was worried about exactly what's happening i was worried that we'd end up with numbers like the flu which is what, what has happened and that we would create a huge panic and you know cause untold damage other ways, which it looks like we're happening. And and we got weird shit going on in California where the governor is in some sort of power struggle with local authorities and whether a beach should be open. It's really bizarre, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, and also, might I just add? Remember, I text you told me that it was okay to do shows. Yeah. You were wrong, but I'll tell you what—that's okay because you're allowed to be wrong. You're—you know what I mean? You weren't saying that. It's not like you flipped a coin and you were like, "Yeah, Duncan, you can go do shows." I know you, and I know that you were looking at all the data out there, and we well, were all looking yeah, at let, data let at the time. And it seemed like you could. Let me tell you what I what I based that on. Um, I talked yesterday to the head, the, cl the clinical director of the Departmental Health of, of Health for the LA County. And I said to her, I said, throughout human history, throughout medical history, quarantine was something you did to people who were sick. You quarantined sick people. Never yeah. before had a population been quarantined or asked to shelter in place. Do you know where that idea came from? Any yeah. idea? A 14-year-old high school student in New Mexico in 2006 did a science project where she concluded that shutting down schools would help reduce transmission of pandemics. Her father then built a computer program that helped re reinforce that. This is an entirely new idea. And the, direct, the clinical director admitted to me that we don't know that there's a difference between hand washing and masks and social distancing and quarantining. We don't know there is a difference between those two to this date. So when I told you it was okay to do shows, I was talking about, but maintain social distance and you know wear your mask and all that good stuff. But literally at this moment, we don't know that quarantine is actually more effective than that. Isn't that crazy? There you go. That's why people get mad at you because you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed. No, but but you're but you can't. You 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 you're not because because the idea because here's the reason. Number one, there's so many parallel ideas that are happening at the same time. Yeah. We don't every see every single day. I pendulum from thinking to myself. Well, I hope they do martial law. I'm terrified. I don't want to have a stroke. I don't want to. I don't know what this is. I don't to to like some kind of insanity where I'm like I'm just gonna run naked outside i don't care and you know because it just depends on what you're watching and yeah. and i think that i think i think what and i think people are feeling a justified frustration and yeah. the last thing you want to feel when there's a pandemic is frustrated confusion which i think is what any if you're not experiencing that then you're probably a reptile no, you're that's probably right. in the and, illuminati and, you're and that's why Here's what I'd recommend to you and to everybody is rather than run naked down the street, 
Just listen to the CDC. That's who you listen to. They're, they're the most right. reasoned body out there. They're going to be a little conservative, but that's their job. They should be that. And they get us through this. They never recommended a quarantine. They, they never did. That, really? that was the, the governors decided to do that. And my feeling on that is fine. It will work. Good. You know, if I, I'll sign up for it on behalf of being a good citizen, on behalf of one another. We should do it. And it did work. It really right. worked in California. But it was not the CDC's explicit recommendation. At least I never saw them make that recommendation. Maybe somebody can right. fact, check, fact check me on that. I, I could be off. But even now, when you go to the website, they're not recommending quarantine. They're recommending hand washing, masks, safe distance. That's what they're recommending. So when, the, so when the governor freaks out about beaches, guess what? There's almost zero out of 350 cases in China. There's one case of, of it being transmitted out of doors. And, and there's good evidence now that it dies in sunlight. So the best place you could be is outside in the sunlight. Wearing a mask right. six feet away from somebody. Indoors, wearing a mask six feet away, worst place you can be. So to sort of come down on beaches, that's, that is not science. That is not science. Again, that's I, nothing I is going to piss made people us off. Wear, I wish they made us wear masks over our stomachs, too, because I feel <laughs> fat at the beach. That would be so cool to finally be able to wear a onesie and be like, I'm being safe. Uh, Dustin, I did not say it was not transmissible human to human. I said there have been one case out of 350 documented in China of out-of-door transmission. One case. Uh, and, and the CDC director here last Thursday, weekend one day ago, said he had zero evidence of out-of-door transmission. That was his quote. So, again, fact check me and all that. You're happy to do it. Uh, uh, and you, Tony says, I have a buddy at the CDC and that they're very conservative with this. Yes, they are very conservative. That's their job to get us through this safely. Look, I was alongside Anthony Fauci during the AIDS epidemic and we were all championing. We were chanting that there were going to be 10 million dead people unless people changed their behavior. Ended up being more like 175,000. We were off by a factor of a hundred and, and we congratulated yeah. and we congratulated ourselves for that because do you know the reason I got on the radio was Fauci? Do you know that? No, I had no idea. He, I, it was nineteen early nineteen eighties. I was deep in the working in the AIDS epidemic. I and it was the most horrific experience you could ever imagine. Everybody was dying, and Fauci was saying, "We got to get on the radio. Or you got to get out there and teach. You got to get out there and tell everybody to change their behavior." And so I took that very seriously. And when I had a chance to go on the radio, that's what I talked about. This thing that we had just mm. stopped calling grids, and now we're starting to call AIDS. Uh, wow. we, we didn't have, we had HTLV three. If you remember that we had barely causative agents and stuff like that. Very interesting. Well, let's go to some calls here, my friend. Here we go. Uh, here we go. We're going to talk a little psychedelics from, uh, Dean. Dean, what's going on, buddy? Hi, Dean. Hey man. How are you guys? It's going great. Hi. Um, so I'm just calling in from Massachusetts. Uh, I'm an art student. And um, I love everything they got in that show. First of all, fucking amazing. Thank you. Sorry, I'm not sure if I'm Thank supposed you. to curse. No, go ahead. It, it um, was you fucking, can curse. It was so, fucking amazing. It really was truly amazing. When I saw oh, it, I was. Duncan, I'm having a hard time not calling you Clancy now. That's how. That's a sort of. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was sort of. I was taken away by it. <laughs> you can call me Clancy. Hey, you don't know how much I, I appreciate that though. The the development of that character in the show entirely. Holy crap. And I, I've listened to what you said on Broken and shit, and I just want to say that you're probably, I mean, you are so right about how it is to make a video game. I've been involved in making video games in the past at my school over the past three years, and it goes hard the whole time. I bet. But you know what? 
Yeah, yeah. But going into the question I was going to ask, I want to know, do you think psychedelics help people regain compassion or maybe some kind of understanding that the status quo may block people from being able to this is a, this is a, that Dean, that's a profound question. I'm going to put you back in the queue. You can listen to the answer. I, I know Duncan has a lot of strong feelings about this. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I think the in Buddhism, there's a concept called fundamental goodness. And it's essentially the idea that humans are good, that you, you every single person, I get it's such a, d a dumb way to describe it, but we're all oh man this is such a dumb way to describe it. i'm sorry to all buddhists it's like we're all the uh, we're all iphones that have too many apps running in the uh, foreground and a lot of those apps are the different experiences we've had throughout our lives the expectations we have for the way things are going to be and all the judgments we have that are not really necessarily based on the way things are but the way they used to be when we were more impressionable than we are now and our, so we end up getting covered with all this static but underneath it is a kind of primordial state which as one of its qualities is just instantaneously compassionate so i think that psychedelics have the potential to turn all your apps off for a moment so that you experience sort of what you are as you are before even language and that i i think that state is generally a compassionate state and talk do a little primer on your elevator analogy and other forms of enlightenment Oh, right. Well, this is a, you know, if you go back and read uh, Ramdas uh, writing about what it was like uh, when he was at Harvard and when they were experimenting with LSD, they were getting really frustrated because they were having these profound experiences, but they weren't able to stay in that space. They kept coming down. That was the problem. That's how much they loved LSD. A lot of people think Ramdas went to India because he thought drugs were bad or he was finding a new path or something like that and he it was because he was tired of coming down and he was tired of having these uh, incredible mystical experiences but then in a few days suddenly being solidified back in his identity and so the analogy he uses is an elevator that um psychedelics can be like an elevator that takes you into this incredible party the door is open there's this beautiful landscape but then it takes you back down and you're back to who you were and so the idea the question is do we even need these substances to achieve that state and i think you know ramdas and much of what he teaches is like actually the psychedelics are pale in comparison to what's possible uh through other you know practices uh somebody's asking do i think compassion is something more than the functioning of our mirror neuron system so Mark is asking, does compassion exist outside of brain? Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a, a physicalist, naturalist, uh, and I do believe that it, it's all a human experience, but that I believe there's a value in it above its biological basis. And, and I believe that value may be something interesting and transcendent, and it's interesting to think about it. Right. There's ways to think about the 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 nature of the thought, the epistemology and the oncology, the the, on, the uh, oncological aspects of it. It does it. What is its existence? And um, well, wait, Dr. Dr. Drew, one of the things you talk about in Midnight Gospel, which I love and we've talked about it 
privately is the connection between people yeah the right that and i think compassion maybe it lives in that connection yeah and that connection naturally is outside of you in the sense that you're connected to another person yeah. so you could say yes compassion is in the connections i think most important human experiences including consciousness i don't want to get too deep into this you and i've had other podcasts about that maybe it'll be a, a, a future midnight gospel uh but i think it all happens between and amongst people Re important things meaning of life your very self-function compassion love all these things is about humans in in social connectedness with other people and the deeper we are open and available for that the more meaningful it is and the more um the more nourishing it can be is that about a good mm. way to describe yeah, I love it? that yeah yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. And I think psychedelics have the ability to illuminate that connection. It's always there, but something about the psychedelic can show it to you in this way that you forgot. And it's easy to forget. Well, and, and it's psychedelic does a little different piece too. It's also that there is a transcendent something that, that we're all part of too, that I don't know is or is not social or I don't know, but that that's a part that's harder to get into into your day and day and out life amanda you have a question go ahead oh my gosh hi hi um dr hey. drew love you so much Thanks, since amanda. the late 90s been a fan for years um just wanted to say your wife was super nice on the phone and she's awesome she's a, she is yay. Awesome. and um but <laughs> thank you yeah so my question and then uh wanted to <laughs> um i want to thank duncan for his openness and everything going on but um, I'm a long-winded person. I'll just get to the point of my question, sort of. I guess I was just going to ask was that um, basically I've dealt with, like, depression, like, over the years and um, struggle with uh, minor depression, anxiety, and panic attacks um, ever since, like, um, I've just had a lot of tragedy over most of my life. So I just want to ask Duncan and you too, Dr. Drew, like advice, like how is it a comedian, especially listening to your mom's, um, your mom's house, I listen to that, of, um, all that too, uh, the, how comedy, how I've just never, I deal with where I get sad instead of laughing things off. And I'm just wondering like what could help because sometimes I get stuck in triggers yeah, yeah. where I, I get real like sad and panic attacky are you, and how, anxiety how old are you, how old are you and everything on? going on. Amanda, how old are you? I'm 41. Are you on any medication? I'm 41. Any, medi I'm, any medication? No. Okay. All right. Let, no, let's, I, um, we'll, we'll, from, we'll uh, struggle with this. I lost my mom when I was seven and my dad died of cancer when I was like 20. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll struggle with this because, um, it's an interesting question. A lot of the, uh, uh, your mom's house stuff I used, I was doing initially with after dark was examining comedians and the tra they always had trauma. Like they always have trauma in the background and how, how comedy solved that it, it, they, they usually most of them had a moment where they got hooked like i you know i was 19 i went on open mic and that laughter you know pulled me into some transcendent experience that i had to have more of mm. wow yeah yeah i mean you know i know a lot of comics it's that it's, for them that's one of the only times they don't feel crazy is when they're in front of a group of strangers which is implicitly insane <laughs> right that's that's crazy but but, but, you know, but, but let's, get, was, let's get you crazier hold on there and it's a group of it's a group of strangers who are 
signaling aggression, which is what primates do. They smile when they're feeling aggressive. And then they have a collective discharge of mirth, which we have no idea what that really is. <laughs> and, and that's when comedians feel alive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. But then a lot of them don't have that kind of, you know, uh, I guess you could say stereotypical schmaltzy sort of like mystification of it. They just love doing it and they love the evolution of it. You know, it's a, comedians are all different for sure. Most of them that I've run into do have some kind of brutal thing in their past that is uh, shaping a lot of their life philosophy and stuff. And I think the alchemy of it is so incredible in the sense that they're, they're, alchemizing their trauma into something that is making people feel laughter but damn i don't know if that solves a problem for them i think it's a, a temporary fix which is why sadly you know we lose comedians a lot you know it's a yeah. job where I've, I've lost uh god i've lost two friends to who have been comedians one to a drug overdose and one to suicide and yeah. they were brilliant and they were funny so i don't know that they're that getting on stage was necessarily the bomb that was you know healing them but it does create a temporary distraction from pain when you're on stage that's for sure brody you're talking about yeah brody Terrible. Yeah, and he was brilliant. Yeah. He was so funny, so yeah. funny. He's got some of my favorite jokes of all time. But you know, I, I think that when your question, there's like a, a, a there's a inside the question is a really great question, which is how do I fix this? Like, how do I fix the suffering? How do I fix my pain? Is there an is there a way to just fix this? And I think the problem is there isn't one way. It can't just be one thing. I think it's a lot of different uh, a diff different methods depending. And the first one for me has always been letting people in, in my circle know that I'm not feeling good. Mm. Telling my wife that I feel like shit. You know, because when this pandemic started, I was trying to make her think I was fine. And I was secretly freaking out, man. And then finally one morning I told her, you know, every morning I'm waking up and I feel like I'm getting run over by society it's such a claustrophobic feeling and she did she's like you're feeling bad mm. like the whole time she's been telling me how rotten she feels and instead of being like i feel like a terrible too i was like installing lamps you know <laughs> trying to seem you know like doing household projects yeah. i'm fine honey <laughs> i was suddenly like ward cleaver you know or whoever the dad was you know like try like i'm never like that i don't install <laughs> lamps and but I was isolating her and yeah. also I wasn't opening myself up for her to comfort me. So I think that, you know, the very first step is like doing what you just did, calling Dr. Drew, asking for help and then listening to the response that you get, not from just the doctor here, but from your family and friends right. and then Other following people. through with that. Other people. So yeah. sunshine, exercise. Uh, maybe some purpose, which is hard right now, and then connecting with other people and finding somebody who actually cares and is willing to listen to you, and then you unload on them. I'm glad your wife is keeping you uh, in line from the standpoint of your conspiracy theories. I heard you say that on Rogan. I thought, oh, good, somebody's keeping him. Somebody's keeping him because God knows where you would have spiraled into in this whole epidemic if she weren't around, right? I feel, I, I have told her that if not for her, if she's like, if, if you know i think if you're like in if there was a bet in vegas and like i was in line with two other people and the bet was who's most likely to get sucked in to an apocalyptic cult <laughs> i'm gonna be the first person <laughs> that, that, that people bet on and they're right uh -huh. so it's nice to have 
a rational person in your life because you know I, it's i honestly half of me thought we were going to get hit by an asteroid on wednesday i'm not even joking it's embarrassing i really thought that and the whole my wife has been making fun of me all the way through uh, like every single time yeah and, and and what look what happened we didn't get hit by an asteroid so healthy it's healthy. great we've got a bunch more yeah. questions for you, if you don't mind taylor go ahead taylor hey dr drew also hey, Duncan Trussell, I'm a big fan of both of you guys. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I Hi. first found out about Duncan Trussell. Um, he was on uh, This Is Not Happening on uh, Comedy Central and Dying on Acid. <laughs> that was oh yeah, that was the most hilarious thing I've ever seen on Comedy Central. And uh, thank you. My, my question is, yeah, my question is, uh, what was the inspiration behind the universe in your show Midnight Gospel, and what inspired the the designs behind the characters? in the show and and the giant vulva that you stick your head into i wondered about that too is that what that was <laughs> isn't that what i that didn't is? see it drew saw that isn't that what that is i don't i don't see you you think that looks like a vulva what <laughs> we didn't intend that at all uh, it's either that or an uh, asshole I, I figured vulva looked a little more appealing <laughs> you sound like me when I'm drunk. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, anyway, the, 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 I, I, to answer the question, I would have to speak for 120 artists on the show. It was a, it was a real collaboration, meaning that uh, it was a group mind. And I think some archetypes naturally appeared to, to answer the uh, multiverse simulator question uh which does look like a vulva um and i can only speak from my opinion i'm not speaking for pendleton or jesse moynihan or mike mayfield or any of the other brilliant animators and artists on the show but you know if you're if you want to conceptualize uh something that a universe would exist within uh what better image than a vulva the womb what better image than you know the for, because obviously i mean no spoiler here i don't know if you know this i imagine you do but when you come inside of a, a vulva it makes a baby and that's an what? amazing thing yeah dr drew you didn't know this oh my god oh my god it's so crazy oh my god i, <laughs> I know it's fucked up it's so crazy i just found out a couple of days ago but the um just weird because i have a son but the uh the but the the you know so what what is the universe held within you have to if you're creating a multiverse simulator you know i think originally my idea was just some kind of computer or something and i think uh, maybe it was i don't want to say it was penn's idea but maybe that he, i think he had this understanding of like with a goddess and i don't know again he never said even I mean, he never said those terms so i i hesitate to talk about it too much because also i don't want to rob people of their own interpretation but a lot of the universe was jesse moynihan you can check out his incredible um graphic comics forming they're they're amazing and uh in i'm just thinking about what happens to clancy when he puts his head in the vulva he goes into a womb and is transported to other places right isn't that his transport vehicle is a womb right yeah that's exactly right he goes oh. into the fetal position as he's rocketing through the multiverse of course as is the custom uh yes <laughs> and and i'm blanking on the the who who's the voice of the computer Oh, that's Phil, Phil Hendry. Hendry. Phil Hendry. With that, I just thought that's such a brilliant choice. I mean, uh, uh, oh, he's so good. Oh my God. Uh, let's see, Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy. 
Hey, how are you guys doing? We're good. What's up? Hey, are you there? Can you hear? Not you much, but I, I love you, Drew. Uh, Duncan, I got a, I've got a movie to pitch to you, and if you run with this idea, I want ten bucks. Okay. Okay. You got it. Let's you hear ready? it. You ready? So yeah, it's it's this all American, all American surfer kind of guy. You know, he he hangs out down in the beach. He surfs. He does great things in school. He plays high school ball, learns to find his inner self and his true strength, dedicates his life and, and decades to, uh, to medicine and helping all kinds of people and just gives and gives and gives. And then he makes one statement in his life that a couple people don't agree with and the whole world turns on him and wants to kill him. Hey, is wait a, a minute. Is that a good premise for a movie? I, 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 it's, 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 <laughs> hey, maybe it's a uh, documentary. How about that? That's what it ought to be. Duncan, what do you say? I mean, what, first of all, I mean, this surfer, it's like, they'll put, for the script, the thing is like, how does he get that statement out? What does he tweet or something? Is this a famous surfer? No, you, wait, no, no, you're missing, you're, you're missing the whole thing. When I was a kid, I was a beach bum. I was a lifeguard and kind of a surfer kid. And dedicated my life to helping people. And because I made a comparison between the flu and the COVID, it was, I was threatened. Wait, with, what? He was talking Hold about on. me. Hold <laughs> on. Wait, you made a comparison between the flu and COVID? I made a comparison. Don't. I oh know. my God. I take back what I said. <laughs> I take back what I said. What a monster. How <laughs> dare you say that? Are you kidding me? I know. Oh, that's a good, I don't know. I think, I think that's a, I think, well, you know, I know that I, sorry if I wrecked your joke, but like, you know, I do think like somebody needs to do a documentary on this, like this swarming thing that's happening Yes, because it's, you know, and, and it, it, I don't know what that looks like, but it sucks when, you know, when it happens to somebody who, you know, personally to be one of the sweetest people you ever met That's that right. really sucks man because i also know that even though you're putting on a appearance that you've gotten good at i know it's probably eating you up a little oh. bit at night oh it was no, a know? little bit it was t it was listen my my family's safety was in jeopardy it, it was yeah very serious it felt like we were being stalked oh no it was horrific like you can't even imagine horrific and you can't respond you're not allowed to respond because that only accelerates it so you just have yeah. to, you can't say anything. You have to just sort of wait for it to pass, like some sort of weird storm. Look, we humans behave like this every so often. Uh, let me be clear. When narcissism takes off, that's when mob behavior becomes um, dangerous. Uh, it happened in the French Revolution. Just study your pre-revolutionary France. All kinds of childhood trauma. Adults that then started killing people if they weren't perfect. And if you weren't perfect enough, they'd chop your head off too. And so eventually everybody went up on the guillotine. And that's what we have happening now. If no no one is perfect enough, to witness witness what's happening to Joe Biden. He's getting he's getting sucked into a a, a phenomenon where even he is going to get hurt by the, every every no one is perfect enough for the mob, right? And I'm not saying whether Joe Biden did or didn't do anything. I don't have any opinion about that. I'm God, just saying, the Jesus, mob, you really are self-destructive here you're gonna do a joe biden thing on the heels of your fluke let's just admit you're done you just want to retire why just retire yeah <laughs> right so that so the point is they'll pull that piece out and not the part where i'm saying i'm just using it as an example i don't have an opinion about it i just i'm neutral i'm neutral and then it becomes uh i said something bad about joe biden 
So, I mean, we gotta we gotta figure out a way somehow, and I don't understand how to do it because I have, you know, I have my own people that I I deeply dislike, and I have, and there's shit people do all the time that really bothers me, but. You know, I've fallen in with these hippies who over and over again really try to beat into me, not literally, because that would go against what I'm about to say, this idea that we have got to figure out a way to love everybody. And, you know, Ramdas, who is this, you know, one of the great hippie spiritual leaders of our time, he made a point of putting the president on his puja table where he meditated, a picture of the president. And, you know, it wasn't just, and it, so of course Obama was up there, but also he had a whole joke about how, you know, he had George Bush up there. And, you know, hippies were not big fans of George Bush. And he would talk about how on this puja table, which is, uh, you know, uh, like a, basically you meditate in front of it. He would have pictures of these saints, his teachers, his friends, his family, and he would look at them and be like, oh, Neem Koli Baba, I love you. Or, oh, uh, Sidima, I love you. And then he would get to George Bush and be like, hi, George. <laughs> you know, but, but what he was trying to do was to, to recognize that every single human has the karmic burden of whatever their particular predicament is. And, and we have got to figure out a way to simultaneously love someone without like excusing shit behavior right. that you know, and, and I don't think the way to teach people is by, you know, mass humiliation necessarily. It's like, I, I don't know what the answer is because I'm just a podcaster comedian dude, but it is, you know, what are we, what is it showing our kids if the answer to dealing with monsters is just to be monstrous towards them? Right. I, again, study revolutionary France. It was just really where... <laughs> It's we're doing the exact same thing. We're not doing it quite to the extent that they did it, but it's the exact same behavior where it, we just eat ourselves, just eating ourselves. What I'm saying. Um, do you know that? Do you remember that I, I I've told you this once. Maybe you may have forgotten that I was working on a documentary on hallucinogenics with Ram Dass's niece, Sasha Alpin. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, it's never never so went cool. anywhere. Never went anywhere. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about that. Um, the, the, I was going to mean to ask you an hour ago, but let me go ahead with it since it's on my mind. Um, the story with your mom was, was so moving. I've never heard what happened with your dad. Oh yeah. He passed away. He had COPD and, uh, it, it just, it killed him and it, it like happened really fast. But, you know, he, he didn't let me know until the very end that he was dying because he was, you know, he's the kind of person that just didn't want to. He just wanted it to be between him and the universe, I guess. But I don't think he expected it to happen as fast as it did. I did. I don't think he realized that it would happen. And but he had a. He didn't want to. He wanted. He didn't want to be resuscitated. He had. You know. He was under the care of hospice. We could have. When it was happening, we could have taken him to the hospital, and we could have gotten him oxygen. Like he. But he told us not to do that because he didn't. It would just be like a temporary right. respite. Right. Right. Let, let's would, let's would, have. Uh, th this is an important. You're a good person to have this conversation with. Susan and I had it a couple of times this week on these streams. Oh boy. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, and this pandemic it brought it to the fore for me. Uh, we don't deal with end of life in this country. We just don't deal mm. with it. Um, the reality is, if I were 85 years old or older, I would never want to be put on a ventilator because it is horrific. The recovery is terrible. And the probability of me li my living a year after being sick enough to need a ventilator is very low. 
and a horrible year after that. So for me, no ventilator after age 85 under any circumstance. No one's talking about that with people that are that age, getting their wishes, finding out what they want. Also, I don't know about you, Duncan, I don't ever want to live in a nursing home. If I ever get so debilitated neurologically that I'm so out of it, somebody's got to be feeding me and wiping my ass, or I'm physically so debilitated that I need two people to turn me, forget it. Just Give forget them the it. vulva. Yeah. Forget. Yeah, I'll put my head in the vulva. He's an exit strategy. I'll put my head in the vulva. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a planet. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's the new term for euthanasia, putting your head in a vulva. But, but you know yeah, what I'm saying? You know, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, and and my dad was felt the exact same way. Yeah. And this and I, you know and not to bring it back to the midnight gospel but in the episode with Caitlin Doty who is a uh, uh, part of the death positivity movement. Uh, this one of the things she teaches is that you need to have this conversation with your parents now, and they might not want to talk about it. They might you know be it might bother them, but have the conversation before they suddenly decline to the point where they can't talk anymore. Because once that happens, you don't know what their last wishes are. Yeah. Maybe they do want to be resuscitated. Maybe yeah. they do. Yeah. If they do, who knows? but if they do, that's yeah. our job is to represent their interest, even though they may not fully understand yeah. the decision they're making. That's still up to, that's not our business, but by the same token. Also, may, may I just, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Can I, sorry to interrupt just to add, if someone is like, you know, like with COPD, they're they're going to decline mentally and so quickly that if you haven't already figured out how they want, if they want to go into nursing home, whatever, they might actually say something that you take the wrong way right, that they right. didn't even mean. Right. So that's the other problem. You know, you so you need to get you have to as awful as it is. This right now is the time to talk to your folks and make sure that all the other stuff, what's their internet passwords, all that stuff, like things you won't right. be able to do if. Yeah. That's right. Sorry. That, that was my third favorite episode, by the way, the, the one where you were talking ah, about about uh, the the history of uh, embalming, essentially, is where you started. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy that it was so the whole thing is something of a scam that the dead body is not as like pestilent or whatever as you know many of us have been taught to believe yeah. in fact you have less of a chance of catching a cold or whatever from a dead body than a, a living body but you know they they had to figure out a way to get you know convince people to keep embalming people after the civil war well i i think also people are freaked out around dead bodies they just i think all mammals get freaked out around dead things i just think that's a natural instinct to kind of recoil a little bit but but we gone to great extents in this country, particularly to hide it all, to pretend it doesn't exist, to sanitize it. And part of the sanitization is the embalming. And so we can wait, we can, you know, set things up for whenever we want to do the funeral. Uh, and, you know, back in the turn of the century, they used to do it in people's parlors. They'd set people up in their front room and that would be that. And that's where the term living room comes from, right? Because it's the room where people would go that where there wasn't a dead body. Is that correct? I don't know that, but it sounds fascinating. Did did this woman tell you that, this, this uh, death positive person? You know what? She probably did, and I can't remember. I think she might have said that, but then maybe she did. And I do remember hearing that somewhere. You know, it's a, every room in the house should be a damn living room, right? Like, what <laughs> yes, is there? <laughs> dying room? <laughs> Death room and living room. <laughs> Dead room and living yeah. room. Oh my God, that's yeah. funny. 
All right, listen, you've been very generous with your time here. Uh, I still have calls galore, I, but I don't think- I have going. time if you want All to, right. okay. All right, we'll get to a couple more. Here we go. Uh, here is uh, Autumn. Go ahead, Autumn. Autumn? Hi, guys. Uh, first things first, I wanted to say, Dr. Drew, thank you for being your most authentic self. Like, you helped me a lot through my teen depression years when I was, like, stuck at home, you know, no one to even talk to, so- Let's your show was just like the highlight. You know, Autumn, hang a second. Before you ask a question, I, I want to tell you, I did a podcast yesterday yeah. where I had a therapist do therapy on me. I had her do CBT on me. And, and in that therapy session, authenticity was a big feature of what she was trying to uh, do. And, and I'm thinking yeah. I may subject myself to some more of that, some do therapy as a – so people can get a sense of how therapy works, what different kinds of therapies are because we – you know, I describe them all the time, and I can tell that people just zone out. They don't know what I'm talking about. But if you hear somebody actually engage in the therapy session, it, it kind of lets you know exactly what it's all about. So look for that. That's a, the, the, I'll have that up yeah. in a few weeks at the Dr. Drew podcast. But thanks for that, Autumn. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Duncan, congratulations on the show. It was mind-blowing. It was just, you know, amazing. You. My, my question, though, is what are your thoughts on spiritual awakening? Because... Um, you know, the full quarantine, being stuck at home and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, just kind of having the time to reflect on everything. I found myself coming to this point of spiritual awakening. I wanted to know if you've ever, you know, been through that or going through that. And then also, what do you think is next to come? And either of you guys could answer as well. And next to come for the country or for each of us? What do you mean? Yeah, I guess I, I kind of mean on like a widespread human level. You know, oh, like what's for to us come? Oof. <laughs> not sure. Yeah. We'll 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 chat about it. The great question. Go ahead, Duncan. Uh, well, you know, I think spiritual awakening is one of those terms that is very confusing and has a million different definitions. Uh, and and it's a so and many people hear that and they and they literally their eyes roll back so far in their head that they have strokes. There's people who are so mad at the, the it, it, luckily a very small percentage of people have watched the Midnight Gospel. They're just upset because it's spiritual and there's spiritual ideas in there. And I get it, man, because a lot of times we've run into quote spiritual people who end up like giving our girlfriends or wives massages and then the next thing you know they're banging them down in some tent in a festival oh, somewhere and it's too late Terrible. but so i get it but i know but it does it's like it happens all the all the time all over the world some crystal collector you know takes your man or woman away from you and you know seduces them makes love for them for a very long time now that being said there's a beautiful side to it and i think there's a the term is a really good description of the possibility in anybody's life to stop being a robot to stop being automatic and to stop being a slave to your uh your instincts and your habits or to become what's often called non-reactive or or to make your reactions uh less instantaneous to produce what um is known as the pause. Sharon Salzberg is a great person to check out. She talks about this just to create the through meditation, through some practice, the ability to create a millisecond pause in between something happening and you reacting to it. And that pause, even, you know, give yourself 30 seconds before you send the angry email and you might not send it. And then that exploration of how to become less reactive, I think, is one something I would call spiritual awakening because for me, my own reactivity has been 
annihilatory for me. Like it has really fucked up my life so many times because I get I get angry, I react instantly, I say things I don't mean to people I love, and then it's you know it takes a long time to for to recover from that. And uh, so for me, you know, the spirituality stuff is more than just some kind of fad thing. It's like it's something that I do because if I don't, I'll end up becoming the biggest monster on earth. So anyway, I spiritual awakening. My thoughts on it. Yes. And as far as what's going to happen to the entire planet uh, after this thing, my hope is, I don't know is my answer, but my hope is people realize they can work from home effectively and that we restructure the way we've been doing jobs that don't require our meat bodies to be next to each other. Because I think that's the one great thing that could happen for us on a planetary level is we start doing what we should have done 10 years ago, which is... Uh, turn telecommuting into something that is a mandatory thing if there's no need for human bodies to be next to each other. I'm surprised you didn't mention the singularity. Oh, don't get me started on the singularity. <laughs> that's 2045, baby. That's 2045. Right, we got some time. A, that's, that's a date that keeps coming up. I agree with you. Um, you know, you meant Clancy mentions anger too, I think, in the gospel. And I was surprised to hear you. I didn't pick up on that. I think it was even during our podcast. And I'd never really heard you say that before. And you're saying it again now. I, I don't experience you as an angry person. You sure it's not irritability from the depression? 100% positive. It's a no, it's terrible. I've had to go to therapy for it. It's like, it's, you know, I not to like suddenly become incredibly confessional or to try to excuse it because there's no excuse for it. But, you know, I, my father had PTSD. Uh, he was treat self medicating with alcohol for and I, I think I learned how to deal with things was to like become angry or maybe I don't know what I mean, this is why there's therapy. And I don't have the answer for it yet. And if I did, I don't know that I want to share it necessarily it is very personal but yeah man it's like it, it's a uh, for yeah this is a thing that i struggle with and uh I, you know I, without you know having teachers in my life or having some kind of practice also thank god having a very forgiving wife who's like you know uh not you know not like who's like uh, created a space within which I could, you know, become a better person, which is hopefully what a marriage. God, I sound cheesy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What am I doing? Oh my God. R Rogan, this isn't therapy. I'm sorry. Rogan, you make me too comfortable. Dr. Drew. Rogan brings out the CIA oh. agent. I bring out the cheese. So <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God! Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I I didn't I didn't mean to go. I'm gonna like start start going on a soliloquy about my wife. I do really love her though, and that's the to me. You know, I think we all have our stuff to deal with, and you yeah. shouldn't be afraid to admit admit that you're you're you have these you have whatever your quirks are. You know, because otherwise people will get the wrong idea. And the next thing you know, you know, you're giving this impression that it's possible to live a human life without having flaws sometimes oh, no. really hor horrible we flaws. all we all have them we all have them nobody's perfect it's just the way it is you just you got to try to be your best I, th I think a great way to think about you know it's it's the kantian uh, moral imperative just behave as though somebody's watching you and you have to be a a a, a essentially behaving in such a way that your behavior sets a moral tone like, like you, you, you're everything you do is beyond reproach, and it's being watched, and you're the one watching it, so you're the one that really knows. But if you want to be a good person, and the CIA, 
Yeah, the CIA watches a little bit too. But 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 to this end, you know, it you I, this what's going to happen next after this pandemic? I am really 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 concerned about the splitting and the breaking down and causing group, you know, tribe think and it's been gravely concerning to me for some time. And I don't know how we get out of that. Do you? I mean, this, this, the anger and the mobs and the des- destroying one another and the, the news and the press that is just so, so vitriolic and destructive. Mm-hmm. Do you have any ideas? This is my favorite Jack Cornfield quote. He says, tend to the part of the garden you can touch. And I think that is the great, you know, I, the answer is there's no way any individual is going to heal the political rifts in between people the ideological rifts in between people nobody can do there's no individual that i I think is capable of doing that but i know that interpersonally between my friends and you know my family and my kid i could do what you're talking about dr drew which is actively have an intention of improving their lives and of being a better person and you know to this is one of the things i love that ramdas said is that the best way to help other people is to work on yourself and to really actively try to improve yourself not by beating yourself up or not by tormenting yourself or trying to change and, and destroy who you are but by learning how to really come to terms with who you are in a healthy way i think that if we all do that, or even 20 or 30% of us do that, that's going to create, not just in this time period, but in all time periods, a potential of a, a, some kind of shift in consciousness that is uh, for the better. Well, uh, Voltaire at the end of Candide says we should cultivate our gardens. That's the, that the, uh. after traveling the world, that was what he decided, that we need to each cultivate our own garden. I think that's the same yeah. thing, right? Well, I think that's a good yeah. place to stop. We've covered a lot of territory, uh, and um, I, I surely hope you do another season of uh, Midnight Gospel, man, because it's just it's so appealing, and it's so uh, it was an absolute uh, sort of uh, therapeutic in in the setting of what we're all dealing with right now. It really, really was a sense of relief. And congratulations on all the success that you have, and that people are recognizing it to be as good as what it is. Um, and why they wouldn't do another one with you, I can't imagine, right? Maybe. Hey, look, you know, we just haven't heard yet. So, you know, it's in the hands of God right now, and that's yeah. that's fine with me. But, you know, fingers crossed. And last time I saw you was you, me, and Pete Holmes went to dinner. So why don't we go do that again when this all lifts? It'll be something for me to look forward to. I okay? would love that. All right, man. Yeah, absolutely. Let's really do it. Not Hollywood do it, which no. means you don't do it. But that's my fault. I flaked on you. I flaked. I'm sorry. I want to do it. I no, missed you. We did you. it. We did it. We just have to do it again. We have to do it again. And something that's to look forward it. to when we get through all this. And uh, stay safe. Say hi to your wife. Kiss your son. And uh, I miss you. And uh, thank you for you being here today and for giving us the Midnight Gospel. It really... It was a good, it's a good thing. My pleasure. All right, Thank man. you, Dr. Drew. I right, love buddy. you. I love, love you, you Susan. Back. See you around. Too. Bye. See you soon, guys. And uh, we will wrap it up at this point. I'm, uh, if you want, I can give you a couple minutes on the COVID thing uh, just to give us a little bit of a uh, update. In California, we are doing really, really, really well. I do not understand why our governor is so upset with the opening of the beaches. Um, they are planning to switch to distancing and masks in a week or two. Why they have to wait till the last second to do that, I don't quite understand, but maybe they'll give us some explanation for that. Um, New York is doing a lot better. Uh, as I've told people, I applied to be part of their health um, response team. 
they don't, I mean, they are really way down on hospitalization, so they don't need to bring in people like me. Uh, the death rate uh, per day has fallen to, from a high of uh, about 1,100, it's now at about 200 and falling rapidly. So that's a good thing. If you look at Georgia and Tennessee, and um, let's look at some updated data on that, and Texas, things are slowing there. Uh, Georgia particularly is our canary in the coal mine. Uh, again, they chose the exact wrong moment to open things up. And yet in spite of that, when you look at the historical data, they are at about, ooh, there's a little uptick today in new tests and, uh, but no increase in positives. So, well, maybe a little, nah, maybe a little increase in positive tests, but uh, no increase in hospitalization, no significant increase in that. So let's watch that. Uh, they should be going down. Well, no, they were really right at about the plateau stage. So this is about where they should be, whether they were quarantined or not. And again, a reminder that we just don't know whether quarantine and distancing is different. We don't know. There's no science on that. There's speculation, there's computer modeling, but there's no actual evidence on that. So this would be the state that will tell us that. Uh, let me just quickly look at, uh, for instance, Texas, if I can come up with that. One second here. Was I looking at Georgia? Wait, maybe I wasn't even looking at Georgia. Uh, yes, I was looking at Georgia. And Texas, here is uh, one second. Texas, I don't know how many days they're into this there at Texas, but let's see if I can come up. My goodness, I have to scroll down quite a ways, I'm afraid. Uh, one second. Tennessee. I got to Tennessee first. Let's look at the Tennessee historical data, which is also a state that seems to be opening up. They're at such a low level anyway. I'm not so sure we're going to get something um, meaningful out of that. Uh, they're about the same, about the same, maybe a little uptick in positive tests, maybe a little uptick in positive tests for Tennessee. So that's interesting. That may not be good news uh, for them. Let me see in the uh, COVID-19. That's interesting that Tennessee... Tennessee, yeah, they're kind of all over the place. They've been sort of low. They're they're only at about five deaths per day, even though I know that's a horrible number. And they've been so low in their hospitalizations, it's hard to know what to make of that. Did you mention Georgia? I did discuss Georgia, yeah. Okay. I'm go, doing something else, sorry. Let me go back to uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to make of this. It looks like there's a little uptick in, um, well, there was an uptick on Tuesday in hospitalizations, Tuesday to Wednesday. Yeah, not really. Yeah, it's it's really about the same. It's really about the same. Uh, and then finally, let me go to Texas, if I might. It's hard. It's hard to make much of this data the way it is. I got to say, it's it, it's still lagging. Uh, but I, I think we'll be able to see if there's any significant uh, changes. That's for sure. Uh, there's for some reason yesterday data was kind of Thursday data was kind of peculiar, um, and Thursday and Friday were added together. Uh, again, I'm the hospitalization data is not there for Texas, so I can't really say anything. All right, so uh, we'll keep watching it. We'll keep watching uh, again. That will be the that will be some evidence uh, to, to help us differentiate whether or not distancing, masks, and hand washing is different than quarantining. Uh, thus far, it's speculated that it is, but we really don't know. Uh, yes, we thank Duncan for a great show. I'm looking at your restream comments here. Mm. 
He's so fun to listen to. He's great, right? He's so entertaining to listen to. He's got always got always got something really interesting to say. Um, oh, good, Amy, you're a Duncan fan now. You should be. Check out the Midnight Gospel. Uh, you, you will be happy you did. It's it's that's what his mind looks like. If <laughs> you want to see what it looks like, uh, <laughs> and it's what he did. It took a bunch of interesting podcasts he did. I, I was lucky enough to have been one of them, and um, turned them into a uh, adventure adventure a, a cartoon adventure okay i think that's about that do i need to do we need plug to, away baby doll do we need to hear from anybody uh i want to remind everybody that our friends at uh needle destruction device uh i'm very very pleased to be a part of uh these devices which i can't quite reach right now uh but it's you just put the needle in you've seen my ads do it we'll play just, the ad right, right after all right we'll play the ad don't worry and then also uh, mention drdrew.com there's a promo code for uh 70 off at drdrew2020 if you use that promo code drdrew.com you can check out uh, these streams we will be uh away the weekend right susan uh, hopefully back on Monday. Um, yes, we'll be back on Monday, but away the weekend. There or will Tuesday. be. Well, which is it going to be? Let's decide I don't know. It depends on. Caleb might be able to run dose. I can do it. Monday. All right. So I'm planning Monday, and uh, then we'll do a stream on, on Tuesday also. There will be new data by Monday, I'm sure of it. And so I, I want to review that for you guys and see if, what we can make of all that. Um, also, our friends at uh, Kenny, uh, Blue Mike, the, thank you for providing this equipment for us. Anybody else we should be talking about, Susan? Okay, go to Just Dr. all the great shows, Dr. After Dark yep. and Adam and Drew Show and the Dr. Drew Podcast. You have great guests on there. Yeah, the Dr. Drew Podcast, it, it's going to be, the next few weeks are very interesting. I suggest you check it out. I've got some really good experts in there, and I do ther have somebody do therapy on me, and I, I get, get kind of some interesting stuff. And I, and I thought it was uh, just, it's, I don't know, I like the direction it's going. And if you have any suggestions, please uh, send it to drdrew.com slash contact, and we'll be happy to, to take that. Um, and, of course, After Dark. Uh, me and Christina P. I did a crazy one with uh, Josh Potter. You need to watch. Josh Josh is a sex worker now, and we talk a little <gasps> bit about that. <laughs> Who gasped? Oh, oh joy. <laughs> oh, joy. Uh, all right, you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you, Duncan. Uh, thank you for the Midnight Gospel, and we'll see you on Monday. Needles have increasingly become a part of everyday life. Proper disposal is both difficult and expensive. We have the solution. Simpler, safer, affordable, and fulfills the obligation to protect our environment. A single stick with something like this means tracking down the user, it means blood tests for the person's stock, it means possibly medication for an extended period of time. Needle sticks are devastating. No more. Incinerate the needle. Needle goes in this port. It's over. Done. Needle gone. We all have loved ones who use needles keep their home safe. Medical offices are loaded with sharps. We are using ancient technology to protect our patients, our staff, ourselves. You know what needle sticks do. You know the cost and the devastation psychologically and physically potentially from a needle stick. Eliminate that completely. Stop using ancient technology. Sand MIDI, it will solve your problems. Find out more at needledestructiondevice.com. Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. Today's call screener is Lindsay K. Floyd. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. If you have a question, go to drdrew.tv, that is D-R-D-R-E-W.tv, and sign up to receive an alert next time I am taking calls. 
No spam, just quick alerts when I'm streaming live. Also, you can text your question to me right now at 984-237-3739, and I'll see if I can help you out on one of our future shows. Check out our other podcast and watch the full-length HD video versions anytime at drdrew.com. This is just a reminder that the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care or medical evaluation. This is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm a licensed physician with over 35 years of experience, but this is not a replacement for your personal physician, nor is it medical care. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me. Call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 anytime, 24-7, for free support and guidance. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 